So, five weeks of Friday. Yeah, something like that. You know, math's pretty fuzzy when you're in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, you were sick. Did you get sick? I actually didn't get sick. That's pretty cool. I was certain that I would get sick because my girlfriend was sick. Mm-hmm. But uh, somehow I didn't get sick. Well, consider it a blessing. It is a blessing in that sense, but... Uh, I've been slightly ill since I uh, uh, came back from the Ohio Ren Fair like a couple weeks ago now. Oh. But I think it's okay. I think it's just allergies because the weather like took like an abrupt turn towards uh, the chill. Yeah, I've been. I've had the sniffles. I've had some sniffles. I think we're all just sick now. Um, Did you consider that maybe you got mono at the Ren Fair? Yeah, I kissed a bunch of frogs. <laughs> <laughs> By that I mean French people. <laughs> um, no, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of things you can get at the Ren Fair. I think you can pick up. Yeah, you could probably pick up a lot. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we're back. We're back. We we missed our first week ever. Yeah, we, we, sh- uh, we didn't... We should have recorded, like, two more episodes, like, a, two years ago, and we would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> if we had just uh, delayed it just a little bit. Yeah, well, maybe what we can do is uh, we you can take off of work for a week. And I'll take off of work for a week. We'll just do one a day. And no, we'll just do like forty hours of podcasting. Oh, it'll and be bank it's like it our up. actual job. <laughs> <sighs> and just like bank up, you know, like thirty podcasts we'll and just, uh just throw them in the schedule whenever we're feeling lazy. If the weather's nice, can we podcast outside? We can work on that. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna call it a working vacation. <laughs> Let's go to a cabin. Oh and man! Just uh, have like a a real shining <laughs> experience. That sounds lovely. Tyler's gonna come try to rescue me, and you're gonna hit him with an axe. <laughs> yeah, he's. I would say that Tyler is the Scatman Crothers of the group. Yeah, he's uh tall and mysterious. <laughs> Uh, well, what isn't mysterious is the fact that there's like a white trash cookout happening next door. So, uh, listeners, if you listen closely, you might hear some uh, trashy music playing or yeah. men screaming. And if you listen closely, you hear the gentle strains of a Molly Hatchet or a <laughs> Leonard Skinner. If we're real lucky, maybe we'll hear some uh, Jerry Rafferty. <laughs> but, uh,. You know, I think I think we can be loud enough to uh, overcome that. And I think we should be loud enough in honor of this week's featured director. Oh, uh, yes. Glenn Danzig, a man no stranger to uh, loudness. That, that is true. And uh, I will take a moment to welcome everybody to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hey. And uh, yes, as Jeremy has revealed... Uh, we are talking about a film by Glenn Danzig. Yes, the, so far the only film by Glenn Danzig, but if you are a regular listener, you uh, know that there's one that's coming out where not just there are vampires, every character is a vampire. <laughs> it's becoming more and more real. I saw an art book for it at a local comic store. I think I saw an ad for a trailer that I did not watch. Oh, that was just your cat. Yeah, he's pissed off. Yeah. Well, these things happen, but, uh... <laughs> yeah, Danzig. Well... I completely lost my train of thought because of your cat. <laughs> I feel like I had something good going. But yeah, Danzig, uh, he's got a vampire movie. They're all vampires. Oh, yes, they're all vampires. It's called Death Rider in the House of Vampires. <laughs> Which seems like that would just be a normal house. Right. If, if everybody's a vampire, then people being vampires doesn't matter. Yeah. It'd be like if they 
Like if I called this your human, your house of humans, like you're not the only one. Right. <laughs> like, uh, like right now, if there were a house of vampires and a normal, like scarcity vampire economy, that would be something. <laughs> but uh, maybe it'll be like a vampire hunter D situation where he's not like full vampire. But I don't know. Um, it all remains to be seen. You know, I think my house is more accurately at the moment called a house of cats. Because yeah. there are more cats here than people. Yeah. It's, um... It, it typically is a house of cats. It's a house of scat. I try to keep that to a minimum. Ow! Ow! Why are you attacking me? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sustaining cat attacks, but while the Death Rider and his mission currently remain a mystery, we're this week we're going to continue five weeks of fright and pull the veil back on Danzig's 2019 slash 2020 feature Verotica. Yes. Um, and this is based on his, uh, say notorious comic line, Verotic comics. It's a sort of an anthology of tales based on the characters from those comics. And I think at least in one case, your case, a, uh, an extended mini series. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, his comics were mostly known for being, like, hypersexual and, uh, but more, like, uh, hyper, like, graphically violent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Verotic overall on this week's Patreon. We're going to dive into, uh, some comics that we both read. I found a treasure trove of them, uh, recently and, uh. Decided to share them with Boss, and uh, we're going to share them with you. What a lovely gift that you've given me, and that I'm giving them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to regurgitate. I'm going to regret. Um, yeah, do you regret reading them? Would you say that? Mm, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but we'll we'll get into that in more detail in the Patreon. Would you want to read more? I don't know. I'm, gonna buy I'm on the fence. I'm going to buy more. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a good sampler. So if you're uh, into any of this stuff, you know, uh, definitely dig around some old, dirty, long boxes. You might find some. Yeah. We have long been proponents of treasure hunting knocking yeah. holes in walls and mm-hmm. climbing into crawl spaces and attics and uh, general acts of tomgoolery <laughs> yes <laughs> that's uh, what we ghoulful call it. acts yeah <laughs> they're uh yeah they're ghoulful indiscretions <laughs> <laughs> but um man this film i will say it's got a uh it's more of a mainstream film. It's definitely not a hardcore graphic film. No. It's, uh, I guess, it's not even quite softcore. It's more sexploitation, I would say. Yeah, I think that's more fair. Veers into that. Uh, mixed with, as I said, a, a pretty strong dose of graphic violence. Yeah. Semi-graphic violence. I, I don't know. There's some, there might be some production issues. Some of this movie makes me think of like a Jess Franco film. In that yeah. it, it's kind of... Uh, I don't want to say laziness, but just be like, we just got to get it and get it on the screen. It doesn't matter how great it looks necessarily. I'm going to say this, um, and uh, we'll get into the reasons along the way. Yeah. But this is the film that I've seen lately that stood out to me as being the worst directed. <laughs> like, because I've... I, I've I've been watching a lot of like shot on video stuff mm-hmm. and granted some of those are overall worse directed than this. Right. The fact that this has some production value to it kind of offsets that in a way that makes it stand out more mm-hmm. that this is poorly directed. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's something that's dominated Danzig's career. Just poor direction since about, 1994 around when he founded his comic label and fired his band. But again, I'm, I'll get more into that on Patreon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so he's been living out his midlife crisis for a 
about a quarter of his life now, I think. <laughs> and uh, I think that's sort of reflected in this film. It's got a very divorced dad energy to it, you know? <laughs> like, it's a trip into this man's, like, sexual id. Yeah. And his, uh, I guess his primal violent id as well. <laughs> this is a, uh, it's a modern day roughy, if you will. It is, it is. It's... It's interesting. For it certainly that. is. Um, <laughs> I think we can take a break here in a moment, but I just want to leave with uh, something that I found on the uh, Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, Veronica premiered on June 13th, 2019 at the Cinepocalypse Film Festival in Chicago, Illinois. Throughout the screen, the film elicited laughter from the audience. In a Q&A session following the showing, Danzig asserted he did not intend for the film to be comedic stating that the viewers left at the parts that he wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see that this is a, uh, it's deadly serious to him. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite of uh, what Tommy was so did with the room where afterwards he was like, Oh, it was meant as a dark comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a, uh, he's got something of a Steven Seagal in him. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, where he just takes himself very, very seriously, even though he's become like a caricature of himself over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Veronica. Wow. <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to go in depth on Veronica. start doing it live and we'll sharpen up your improv skills i think that when i start drinking my improv skills are the first thing to go <laughs> that's understandable <laughs> i feel like mine increase for a little bit until i reach a point and then i'm just kind of uh then it's a hard fall off i feel like i get sleepy real quick <laughs> most of your skills start to suffer once you're falling asleep on my couch yeah, the only one that doesn't suffer is my ability to get a good night's rest. <laughs> and your ability to open your mouth and snore. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, we're back here on the Raincoat Report talking about Veronica. So, Veronica opens with a, a dirty, chained-up woman. Um, <laughs> there's, There's like... A little bit of a torture porn aesthetic for seconds in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some very brief, yeah, some eye trauma stuff. Yeah. Um, and these are little host segments that are very, very brief. Yeah, this uh, wraparound for this anthology, not, uh, not good. <laughs> Nothing happening at all. But it does feature Morella... Mm -hmm. Who is a Verodic character who's, I think, just kind of like a Vampirella, uh, Elvira-type ripoff. Okay, yeah. But uh, in this case, she's played by Caden Cross, who mm -hmm. is a famed pornographic film star. Mm -hmm. Yep, one of the modern uh, ages, best actor, director, so I'm told. Yeah. You know, it doesn't show in this, but I don't blame her. She didn't really have much to work with here. No, she has no material. And she's on screen for like 90 seconds. It reminds me of the segments on the, like the host segments on the uh, Shutter Creep Show revival where he doesn't really say anything. He just kind of goes, yeah. and I'm like, what is, there might I, be a slight sight gag, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't, I don't feel like it achieves as much as say a, a crypt keeper opening right uh noted fan of the show the raincoat review <laughs> it's important to keep those connections open as the veil thins this uh five weeks of fright oh yeah yeah he Would might you... what if he comes through again yeah well it's good to have somebody like that that has your back you know mm-hmm 
if we're having a tough time with the spirits, we can always call up the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, he would vouch for us. Yeah, he loves the raincoat review. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we're introduced to Morella. She approaches this chained up woman. She does some bubble bubble toil and trouble shit. And then Fulci's the woman's eyes with her fingers. Yeah. <laughs> She just yells, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> she introduces herself as Morella and says, this is Veronica. <laughs> and then we get our credits. Yeah. <laughs> and that was our first host segment. Yep. Um, the credits, we get some weird faces and smoky CG effects and stuff like that. But some heavy music. Yeah. Some kind of aimless heavy music. <laughs> yeah. Danzig's uh, specialty after a certain point. <laughs> well, what a slump. <laughs> well, this is where we get introduced to our first uh, story segment, that being the Albino Spider of Dajet. Yes. Which uh, I read the comic of, and we'll be talking a little bit more about on Patreon. You were at issues one and two, and not only that, issue zero. Yes, issue zero, which uh, adds a little bit to the story. Okay. Although half of the issue was just drawings and stuff. That's excellent. <laughs> so we open up with a, a French guy getting blown by Dajet, our pink-haired uh, heroine of this segment. Uh, we see the spider climbing up a rose. And uh, it's very fake. <laughs> this woman, Rochelle Riley, uh huh, I believe she was dating Danzig when they made this film. Okay, I think I think that is. Uh, I'll double check that during the next break segment. But I want to say that he was dating someone in this film for sure. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Um, She's making out with this guy, and even though she was blowing him, um, in one of the shots it seems clear that his pants are fastened. They continue to dry hump, and the guy tells her to uh, pull her shirt off and tries to pull off himself. She pleads and tells him no, but he's being pushy like a prick. He finally pops the shirt up, and he's frightened, because uh, her tits are looking at him. <laughs> Uh, they have little eyeballs on the nipples. Yeah, no, they are uh, extraordinarily fake and extraordinarily uh, sightful. <laughs> so this guy leaves and Dajet says, not again. And then another woman wanders in. This is Marielle, who talks to Dajet. And yes, it should be noted, everyone in this segment does have a French accent. Yes, yes. Uh, this takes place in France, and because of that, everybody is speaking English with a French accent. Yes. Um, the level of authenticity challenging the viewer. Yeah. It varies <laughs> from person to person with, about how well it's pulled off. Right. It's a, one of the many great things about this film. <laughs> Marielle tells Dajet not to cry because she has some sort of shoot tomorrow. Marielle leaves and we pan down to see Dajet's crying tits. <laughs> uh, and one of the tears from one of her boobs drops onto the spider. It makes the spider fall to the ground and then transform into the uh, titular albino spider who is not just a spider, but a man... With spider-like features. Yeah, he's like one of those uh, Spider-Man mutations. Right, but he's uh, a little bit more spider the, than man. The man spider. Yeah, it's like yeah. the man bat. Yeah, pretty much, except it's like he's just like... He's got more arms. He's becoming more spider-like. Yeah. So, our man spider comforts Dajet and tells her to sleep so that he can roam. <laughs> He tells her to set him free to do what she needs him to do. We then cut to Marielle in her apartment, deciding between milk and beer in the refrigerator. Milk or brown? Oh, yeah. Milk yeah. or brown? Um, those brown should milk? Never... <laughs> no, those should never be your choices. <laughs> it does seem like 
the sort of thing where like there aren't the only thing that I could think of is I've eaten uh beer with cookies before. It's pretty good. Never done that. It goes kind of well with it. Okay. And uh, that could be a scenario that I would be choosing between milk and beer. Think she's gonna pick? Think she's got a plate of cookies? I feel like that has to be what it is. Okay. Maybe <laughs> she has a hamburger. Sometimes you get a big cup of milk and a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call a white man meal. <laughs> so Marielle hears something. And goes and answers the door. Uh, the man spider grabs her and chokes her. She calls him a freak and uh, he says that she should instead call him grotesque. And then he snaps her neck. Yeah. He's a murderer. He's an evil spider. Or is he just Dajit's subconscious will? Perhaps. Perhaps. We cut back to Dajette asleep on the floor. She awakens and calls out to Marielle. She then rushes down to her apartment to check on her in a panic. She walks in and finds Marielle hanging from the ceiling. Dajette yells out, Kill her! While the spider says he is killing for her. Oh. He says he will do the thing she envisions in her mind. He rubs her tits and grabs her face and breathes heavily. And I assume at this point he's putting her to sleep as it fades out. Now, one of the interesting decisions of this film mm -hmm. is that essentially every scene fades out in the entire film. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things that like didn't really register with me until we got like two-thirds of the way into the movie. And then it was like... It's just so weird. It's like when we were watching one of the prequel films and it just keeps wiping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a stylistic choice. He wrote, directed, produced this, and was also one of the directors of photography. Yeah, I could tell that he was one of the directors of photography because there were some choices that I feel like the other guy probably was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to sit down and let Danzig just fucking walk all over me. I feel like I had that conversation the first time I watched the film because it's pretty noticeable, I think, when there's just, when it goes from looking okay to just like, <laughs> I don't know, like someone got hit with a hammer in the head a little bit. He's doing it. Like, it's cool that he's out there doing his stuff, but he's not great at it. <laughs> we cut to the streets and see some uh, prostitutes walking around. We follow a blonde uh, prostitute. She comes to stop near an alleyway where she talks to somebody in the shadows. She asks him if he wants a date. And he confirms he likes her, but not for a date. We find out here that it's the spider. No. But she hasn't figured out just yet. No. She says she's sure she can accommodate his taste. He first says he wants to bend her over there and fuck her in the ass. She pauses to take a drag of her cigarette but confirms that, quote, ass fuck is her specialty. Yeah, ass fuck is my specialty. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, man. Not to spoil too much, but that is word for word from the comic. <laughs> Um, he then adds that he'd then like to hear her neck snap. She asks if he's only joking. He says yes, and then snaps her neck. We cut to Dajette screaming no. She's at this, uh, fetish fashion photo shoot. Yes. And, uh, had drifted off, I guess. The women are posing for the camera, and the photographer wants Dajette to join the shoot, but the other models note that she doesn't feel well. Then we see on the TV the dead prostitute from the uh, spider segment just before. Dajette is sad and says that it's all her fault, but everybody there tells her it's not her fault. She freaks out and goes home and demands to be left alone when they offer to accompany her home. Now, is this when they introduce the killer's name? Uh, probably the, yeah. Is the neck snapper? 
Is it no, neck breaker? No, no, it's the neck breaker. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I love it. The neck breaker. So then we follow Daget to a movie theater playing Les Nus Sans Visage. Visage. Why would it be Le Neckbreaker? Why wouldn't it's not even was the first part in French, but the second word's not. It's just <laughs> pronounced in French. Why is that the only thing that anybody's saying that's French, quote unquote? At, at, at the very beginning, when they're making out on the couch, they are speaking French, and I think that's just to establish that it's supposed to be in France, as if you wouldn't get that through the outrageous accents, right? <laughs> We see Daget going to a movie theater that's playing Les Nus Sans Visage, which is probably terrible pronunciation. Yeah. She sits behind a couple of guys and notes this film is only people having sex, as if she'd never seen a sex film before. Yeah. She drifts off soon after. Good, because she was talking and ruining the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Despite her saying she doesn't want to sleep as she falls asleep. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. That's one thing is if you don't want to fall asleep, don't go into a darkened theater. Right. That's a surefire recipe. We cut to the spider, happy that she's falling asleep. The guys in the theater are creeping around Dajet and start caressing her shoulders like creeps. We then cut to the spider wrapped around a woman in her panties, screaming, Not yet! And then we cut to Daget awakening and yelling, no! She leaves, and one of the guys asks for her to come back as she's walking away. <laughs> uh, these guys might have actually saved her life by molesting her in the theater and, wake and rousing her. We see Daget walking the street a bit, and she decides to get some coffee. We cut to later, and she's approached by a waiter who tells her that they're closing. Dajet says she was lost in thought, and uh, the waiter suggests that she should stay at home because Le Neckbreaker is out there. Yes. Le Neckbreaker. We cut to Dajet ascending a staircase. She notes that she knows what must be done now. Dajet then opens her fridge and gets a drink, noting she needs something to wash it down. She picks up the phone and, without dialing, tells the person on the other end that she wants to report a murder and confirms her address with them. We look at a pile of pills on a nearby table and then cut to Dajet talking to the spider. He notes that she'll have to fall asleep soon and she says she's going to sleep. Forever. And then she falls on the floor. The spider says, no, and we see her body bleeding on the floor as the police arrive. They're banging on the door and then bust down the door and find the spider next to Dajet's body. They tell him to take his hands off her neck that he's not touching. The spider walks towards them and they shoot it to no effect at first. Yes. But then he looks down and he's bleeding and the spider screams, you bitch, wake up. We see Dejet motionless on the floor with her eye nipple showing. He finally collapses dead. The cops look at Dejet's body and note she seems to have overdosed and not been killed by the spider. Then they point out her eye nipples and marvel at them. We cut back to Morella. Yeah, that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. Um, what a tale. Yeah. The eye nipples are not explained at all. No. There's... um. It's kind of like a work of like magical realism, right? Where we're just um, expected to accept that this is uh, just how things are for her, right? And that their tears have magical properties as well. Morella says the eyes have it. She asks, "Then what am I supposed to do with these?" Holding up the eyes she plucked out from the woman in the beginning. We're then immediately introduced to the next story: change of face. We open on a woman in front of a light holding a knife. We cut to a woman in a green dress calling out, Hello, who's there? What do you want? And we cut back to the knife woman. Your face, it's nice. Give it to me. Um, <laughs> oh, this reminds me of the that Aqua Teen episode where there's that like creature that lives in the attic and they're training him to be scarier, and one of the lines they feed him is, a uh, nice face, I think I'll take it. <laughs> this, um, uh, 
This is basically that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here the victim, as you might expect, does not want to give up her face. So uh, the lady with the knife decides to take it. We don't see it happening, but we see her holding the face and the faceless victim on the ground. And the face looks like baloney. Yes, it does. Like, there's not, like, much texture to it or anything. It just looks like a flap of a cold cut. Yeah, yeah. So then we cut to a strip club as a woman is dancing, as they do at strip clubs. We see other women dancing, and the song playing is pretty terrible. Yeah, I think it's like a French heavy metal song. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's not some great there's not a lot of great music on this soundtrack. Yeah. Well, we see a lady offer a guy a dance who doesn't take her up on it, and she leaves rolling her eyes. This whole scene takes like a few minutes to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weirdly long for how short the narrative in all of this is. It's at this point that the DJ welcomes Mystery Girl to the stage. So Mystery Girl takes to the stage in a cape uh, with like a, a, a cloth draped over her face. Yeah, like a little uh, ninja head wrap. Yeah. She's got a skull pasties and a skull G-string she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she dances for a bit and a guy waves a tip at her and she squats down and stares at him. And after a few moments, he just runs off scared. Yeah. I think, does she show him her face? I don't think she did. Uh, but yeah, this song is a Danzig song, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Do you like it? No. It's, it's called something like Eyes Burning Fire or something. <laughs> it's not very good. So Mystery Girl leaves the stage after her dance, and we cut to the cops looking at the green-dressed victim. They have no leads or motive, no face, no trail. Nice. Another sicko killer. <laughs> right? <laughs> the guy in charge concludes that the perpetrator wanted her face. Yeah, well, you'd have to. <laughs> so we cut to a vanity mirror surrounded by pinned-up faces. Yep. It's just her face layer. Uh-huh. She keeps them up and talks to him a little bit. Yeah, so Mystery Girl sits down and takes off her cape. She says hi to her faces that she refers to as her pretties. She asks if they'd like more company. She says, I thought so. We watch her take off her face to reveal some scarred tissue on her face, which isn't ideal, but really isn't steal people's faces bad. Yeah. No, she's like a... uh, Oh, who's a doctor that likes to steal all the faces? Um, John Travolta. No, Jess Franco. Oh, uh, Dr. Orlock? Yeah, or... see, he's always taking people's body parts, right? Yeah, I See, guess all that's true. Um, not exactly, but I think, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's like, uh, more like eyes without a face where yeah, like, yeah, you're trying yeah, to steal a... it for somebody else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, you can, I think, see a lot of Danzig's influences, like the stuff he like grew up on. Yeah. Like in what he's doing, but he just doesn't have the the panache to carry any of it off half as well. <laughs> right? We see a woman in her apartment who hears someone come in. She knows that she didn't call maintenance, but it's the mystery girl who introduces herself as the face collector. She says that she wants the woman's face. This is why you always lock your door. <laughs> yeah, that, it's smart to always lock your door. And also, this woman has like the most porno line readings of the film. <laughs> They're incredibly stilted. Mystery Girl notes that this woman has a pretty face, and so she's going to borrow it. We see a struggle, and then cut to the victim on the floor as Mystery Girl carves off her face. She says, don't worry, you'll get it back when I'm done with it. We cut to the victim standing up and crying, My face! as she bleeds onto the floor. (laughs) Cut back to the club and some dancing. Mystery Girl is introduced by the DJ again. As she dances, she glares out into the audience and sees a couple of faceless ladies. I guess she's having visions of guilt or hauntings of Uh, her victims. Yeah, maybe she likes it. Maybe. We cut to the cops with the new victim. 
They note that this makes 13 victims. They think it may have been done by the same killer. Oh. <laughs> They're starting to put that together now. These are some, like, uh, Ed Wood, H.G. Lewis-ass cops. <laughs> They're not really on the ball. No. They want to make sure no important info is leaked to the press. We then cut to Mystery Girl, who talks to the camera, talking about how the face mask she wears makes her feel alive. We see her staring at the faces on her wall, which she refers to again as her pretties. She notes there's going to be an addition to the family. There's more than enough room for another. She says this is going to be a big family as she holds up another face. We cut to the cops. A female detective finds a card for Pussycats, which is the strip club. Sure. We then cut to uh, this officer who I found out is Sergeant Anders, uh, asking the door guy at Pussycats questions about Mystery Girl. I don't know how he knows about Mystery Girl at all. I couldn't tell you. It wasn't in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> The door guy is hesitant, but the sergeant starts threatening him. And then a stripper overhears this and runs and tells Mystery Girl who's on stage. Mystery Girl tells the other girl to stall him. The stripper stops the cop for a moment, but then he threatens to take her downtown and she moves out of the way. Sergeant Anders yells, Ready or not, Mystery Girl, here I come! I, no idea how this like whole investigation happened. Yeah, they left this... us out of that completely, despite us following the cops. Yeah. Well, they just put two and two together. There was a bunch of ladies with no faces, and there's a stripper down at the club who wears a, a mask. I mean, and she's a mystery girl, so obviously she's hiding something. Yeah, she's got a mystery. I think it's... It's pretty... Cop work's pretty easy. <laughs> So, uh, Sergeant Anders finds some girls backstage. He wants to know where Mystery Girl is, and they're uncooperative. After some threats, one of the girls points to another area. So then, Sergeant Anders walks into some black fabric-walled room and calls out for her. He yells out, I know you're the face ripper! <laughs> yeah. Mystery Girl appears in the shadows and asks if he thinks she's dumb enough to fall for that. She grabs him from behind and says she's going to get his face. <laughs> so she cuts his face a little, and somehow he fires some shots that make her run off, leaving a trail of blood. He calls her a sick fucking cut. <laughs> Sergeant Anders yells, asking how far she thinks she's going to get with a couple of rounds in her. He yells that he's going to get her. Then we get a card that says six months later. So we didn't get her. No. Well, we don't know that yet, I guess. At a different strip club, some girls oh, are dancing. <laughs> the DJ then introduces a new girl, Mysteria. So she just moved like to a different town and just kind of changed her name a little bit. Yes. She and, didn't even change her same, name the, all the way. No. Um, kept the same job. Yep. She's wearing a, a Sub-Zero mask connected to a latex top in this place. That's pretty cool, though. Uh, we fade back after the dance, and that was it. That was the resolution. Mm -hmm. She got away with it. Yep. We cut to Morella again, talking about the mess Mystery Girl made and slapping a face on a faceless body. We then cut to Drakesia, Contessa of Blood, yes. the next and last segment. Mm -hmm. There's no indication it's the last segment. She just says it's our next segment. So the right. first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this will probably be like, I thought it was going to be like a four-segment thing. Right. Because uh, they all seem to move pretty fast. Yeah. For the most part, even though it's the length of like an actual film, it doesn't... It just has a way of washing over you. <laughs> so this opens with Drakesia smearing blood on her face, fittingly to kick things off. Then we cut to her and a couple of dudes in chainmail riding horses through some poor commoners area. Uh, we're in some sort of Transylvania, Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Some Eastern European, uh, hellhole where they have countesses who come and steal your daughters. Yep. And 
just here, Drakesia walks into a commoner's home and asks about the woman's daughter, confirming that she is a virgin, noting she better be, and then leaving. So one of her guards drops some coins and uh, retrieves the girl. The woman who has just sold her daughter is very pleased with this. The daughter seems less so. Back at Drakesia's place, she tells Sheshka to tend to the girl. So Sheshka is like her... She's her Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS. Yeah, more or less. She kind of handles her her rough stuff for her. Yeah. Sheshka asks if the girl's ever been in a castle, noting that she's a peasant girl. She's really rude. Sheshka tells the girl she must obey her at all times. And then she tells the guards to take her and clean her up and put her with the other girls. We then cut to Drakesia walking into a room where a bunch of blonde girls are lined up. Sheska tells them to bow for the countess. Drakesia picks a girl from the lineup and takes her away. We then cut to Drakesia staring at grapes on her throne. <laughs> she asks Sheska if everything is ready. Sheska confirms... And Drakesia says, now is the time. We then cut to a bone structure and pan down to see that a girl is chained to it, wrist bleeding. Then we pan down to see that she's topless as the Countess is circling her. The Countess undresses. And we see that she's got a cloth covering her pubic region uh, in one of the shots that I think wasn't supposed to be shown, but was anyway. Okay. And uh, she climbs into a tub that the girl's lower body is submerged in. It's a blood pool. Oh, excellent. Drakesia licks the blood from the girl's arm. She rubs blood over her own body as well, and this continues for quite a bit. <laughs> Sheska then brings Drakesia another girl and cuts her throat so that the neck sprays blood all over Drakesia and into the tub. For a long time. Yes. <laughs> a very long spray, especially for her to, like, <laughs> be like standing up and not like upside down so right yeah uh it is a it's a spectacle the newly slashed girl's body is taken away and drakesia rubs more blood on herself she then calls to be brought her cloak and someone brings it and we see in a brief flash that she's wearing red underwear as she walks away we cut to drakesia telling sheska her skin is are tingling. They red or are they dipped in blood? Uh, could be either. Either way, I think it wasn't supposed to be shown. Okay, good. We cut to Drakesia telling Sheska her skin is tingling as she sits at the foot of her bed. Drakesia asks Sheska if she looks younger and more beautiful now, and Sheska says yes. Drakesia says excitedly, It's the blood of the virgins. Drakesia then spends like three full minutes looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah, it's quite long. Drakesia says for Sheska to dispose of the body and be discreet, noting that some people are starting to suspect things. We then cut to another girl, topless and hanging upside down, pleading for help. Drakesia walks towards her and rubs her chest, noting that she's so beautiful and her skin is so silky. After more pleading from the girl, Drakesia slashes her throat and drinks more blood as it sprays on her face. Sprays not as long as this time, though. Not quite. It's truncated. We then cut to Drakesia horseback riding on a trail at night through a wooded area. She ties her horse to a tree and descends down a slight incline through some trees. This story needed a better editor so bad. Yes. She climbs into some knotted roots and is approached by a wolf who she apparently feeds virgin meat to, although these look like steaks. They're virgin steaks. She is a butcher. Oh, yeah. She just cut the steak off her butt. Rump steak. Oh, yeah, rump steak. She says she and the wolf are alike. She then demands the wolf bring her a girl, so the wolf (laughs) runs. So the wolf runs off. Uh, cut to Drakesia at, uh, a stone oh, altar. God. <laughs> She's brought another blonde, and Sheska brings her an ornate dagger. Drakesia says something about the girl being a precious gift that'll keep her young, and then she cuts into the girl with the dagger. She caresses the girl's body for a bit, then reaches in and pulls out the girl's still-beating heart. 
Sheska gasps with excitement as she watches. Yeah, I like how many like long gooey like cords it's connected <laughs> yeah. to. It's pretty cool. Drakesha smears the heart on her face and then takes a bite. But she doesn't. She doesn't really bite it. She seems to be rubbing her mouth on it, but I think she's acting like she's biting it. Yeah. Um, the dead girl keeps moving her arm during this scene. A servant takes the dead girl's body away as Drakesia continues to play with the heart and stare at it. We then see a blonde woman running down a road at night, chased by Drakesia's guards. The guards eventually catch her, and she pleads for them to t- not take her back. We then cut to Drakesia, an executioner, and more standing in a clearing. The guards take the runaway girl and force her down on a platform. Drakesia says with this axe she's going to send her to another world. The executioner then chops the girl's head off and blood sprays out. Drakesia holds up the head and taunts it, staring at it. Drakesia says the head is coming with her and the body can go in the pile with the others, so we see the guards throw the body in a burning pile. (laughs) We cut to Drakesia carrying the head down a hallway. She walks into a trophy room with a bunch of women's heads on the wall mounted. Drakesia sits down holding the new head up. We fade out and see Morella again saying she's going to take a nice long bath. As we see, she's in the blood pool from the story. Oh. She Mar- says... Morella's always just doing whatever happened in the story right? that just happened. She says, until next time, stay dark. And then we get our credits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that was Verotica. All right, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back to talk more about Verotica. <laughs> transitions for this episode should just be the Morella segments, so they're just super short. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, we're back on the Raincoat Report, so Jeremy, you are the master of the Raincoat Review. Master of (laughs) Scaramonies. Yeah, I'll I'll kick us off. (sighs) I want you to use the applied sciences of the Raincoat Institute to thoroughly examine this film. Okay. This film is a very uh, bizarre pastiche of a lot of different, better ideas uh, assembled in a haphazard Frankenstein way by the madman Glenn Danzig. My cat's going crazy and making all kinds of ruckus in the background. Yeah, I'm having to do a still... (laughs) Startled by all the the Yoshi, stop! You have to put the cat downstairs. Uh, I think this is a very uh, kind of bizarre and uh, in like a, like a mentally like impaired kind of way. Yes. Like stilted. Like uh, <laughs> it's like a mentally stunted journey through the mind of a man who's been, I don't know, about like 16 forever. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you can clearly tell like what his influences are like. A lot of, like, Euro horror, uh, definitely, like, horror anthology films and uh, the comics, and especially, like, the EC Damn. comics and stuff like that in particular. Right. Um, and you, you can really feel those influences here, but none of that stuff's as good as that stuff. Right. <laughs> um, and the whole thing is just sort of messy enough to be entertaining, but not enough to, like, also be good. Right. It's uh, definitely one of those so bad it's good type situations that people will talk about Okay. every now and then. It's certainly a film I would prefer to watch with friends and by myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you could get a lot more entertainment value out of that. But uh, a lot of the stories don't have like any real kind of like development or arc or anything. Right. Uh, it's just a series of cool images that just terminate eventually 
uh, <laughs> I think the one that was like closest to having an ending was probably the first story. Right. Like she dies and that takes care of the spider. The other two don't really resolve yeah. in, a, in any particular way. The music's not great. I'll say that. <laughs> no. It's not my style of uh, heavy metal. I'll say that. It's uh, kind of chunky and annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there might be a ministry song somewhere buried in here, but I can't remember. Okay. But uh, I do like ministry, just for the record. Okay, okay. I think they're cool cats. Um. It's funny, but it kind of sucks, you know, <laughs> like yes. it's a, it goes by pretty quick. So it's not like a real slog to get through, but at the same time, you're never like fully engaged or entertained by it either. Right. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is happening to what's happening <laughs> with no real explanation to the what's happening part of that. Right. You're just like, oh, she's collecting faces because she's a little scarred. Right. And that's, that's that. Or this is uh, Countess Bathory and we're going to do like a sick fucking hardcore Cradle of Filth style long form music video about her. And it's going to be fucking tight and there's going to be tits and blood and gore. Right. We're going to fucking totally, we're going to pull her heart out and it's still going to be beaten, man. And she's going to take a fucking <laughs> bite out of it. You know, like the ideas don't feel developed beyond Danzig just talking about how fucking cool they're going to be. Right. Uh, I think that's probably the ultimate downfall of this movie. Right. Uh, because as I said, he's kind of become like a cartoon of a person, uh, from his kind of self-conscious sort of like, uh, referral to like stuff like Vampira and, uh, John F. Kennedy, like assassination conspiracies. And, uh, old like uh sci-fi and horror movies like in the misfits right like kind of becoming that to sort of becoming like more and more danzig the character right <laughs> and just uh sort of embodying all of that and just sort of buying into his own like hype because he thinks he because he has good taste he thinks that that makes like all of his ideas interesting and like worthwhile and worth exploring right uh and it's cool that he's able to do that, that he's been successful enough to get to that point. Right. But uh, I wish he were a little bit better at it. <laughs> he's kind of like, a. I think it might be fair to kind of compare him to Rob Zombie because they kind of came up at the same time and had similar uh, career arcs where they went from being in like a successful band to like kind of going more or less solo. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a... Dang old, dang old path not taken, man. You know, <laughs> so, you know, one river, one road goes high, one road goes low. Never the twain shall meet. So, oh, uh, <laughs> two and a half stars. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So this movie had me thinking a lot, and uh, this movie is one of the more conflicting movies that I've seen. Uh, and had to review on the raincoat report. Okay. Um, there's so much about it that's really terrible. <laughs> um, glad I can bring you anything. That, <laughs> um, it is like it's when I first watched it. One of the things I thought to myself was, you know. This movie would be better if it wasn't written or directed by Danzig. Yeah. And I was like, I bet that these stories are kind of interesting. And if somebody did a couple rewrites and stuff, like you could put together a working horror anthology mm -hmm. and made better decisions while they were making the movie and it would have turned out better. Yeah. You'd have to like remove him from producer role too. Because if yeah. it was in the producer role, he would probably fight. And he'd fight any change along the way, I would think. Well, the the thing that I discovered when reading the comic that I read was that this is basically verbatim what was in the comic. Yeah. And, like, every terrible line in this movie was actually word for word from the comic. Excellent. Um, and that kind of shocked me. Uh, 
But, you yeah. know, if somebody else did this, it probably would be better. Yeah. It could have been cool. Like, yeah. you could do this sort of, like, exploitative horror anthology. But, like, there's some very basic things that needed to be done with this movie that weren't done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be true to the comics as they were written, but... Boy, if these stories had resolutions, that sure would make things better. Yeah. Like, the obvious thing to do would be to make them all morality tales. And Yeah, the, yeah that's kind of like where that EC Comics kind of feel comes into right, it. Right, exactly. Bit, where you're like, oh, it's like a tale from the crypt, and you're going to learn a lesson, and the lesson you learn is, you learn it because someone else gets an axe in their head. Right, exactly. <laughs> But uh, nobody learns any stories, or nobody learns anything in these stories. I wonder if I want to escape my problems, I can take a bunch of pills. <laughs> I guess that is the one thing. Or I can pack up and leave town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because... <sighs> you were wrong, it is, mor- it is moral. I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, all the scenes fade out. And it becomes weird after a while. Just like sketches of stuff, right? Yeah, it's... I don't know. But at the same time, I found it entertaining. Um, the um, There's some charm in this being just like what came out of Clint Danzig's fractured mind. Yeah, it's always interesting to kind of see an artist's uh, like interior mental life. Um, it really gives you insight. As an erotic film, I would rate it very poorly, but overall, <laughs> uh, as a movie, I'm going to give it three stars. That's fair. It was entertaining to me, and I think that especially if I had watched it in a group, it yeah. would have uh, killed. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely designed <laughs> for group viewing. But, uh, you know, it's 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 very flawed, and... There's like a good movie that could be made of this, but Glenn Danzig would just have to not be involved in it. <laughs> and I think that that probably takes the whole point away from it. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Maybe in this movie where everybody's a vampire, therefore it doesn't matter that anybody's a vampire. I hope he finds something wonderful. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope he really reaches towards the stars and we get Veronica too. We can only hope. Maybe next time uh, Universal will fund Actually, it. Actually, I hope we get a Satanica film. As you can see, she's. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about her on the Patreon as well. That's where. That's that thing that you get when you go to patreon.com slash raincoat report and give us $5 a month. Yeah. You because get... we give you two bonus episodes every month. I paid about $5 for this comic, so it all balances out. Yeah, you're getting... You're getting the content of the comic, more or less, and also another bonus episode. And breaking even. Um, and I break even. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also early access to the normal episodes, uh, commercial-free. Uh, we had our preview of an episode, one of our Pornhub Roulette episodes on the main feed last week. Yeah, yeah. So, uh if you like that, go to patreon.com slash raincoat report because I recorded an intro for that Patreon episode, but I did not uh, tell them how to get to our Patreon. Oh, well, now they know. Now they know. But anyway, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at raincoat report, raincoat report at gmail.com if you need to email us. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you're going to uh, the haunted porn theater of Danzig's imagination, Don't forget your raincoat. Oh, yeah. Yeah.